Hello and welcome back to Brand Your Brain, the podcast for brand designers and online service-based business owners. I'm Robin, also known as Brands by Robin, and I'm discussing all things brand by providing knowledge, guidance, and tools to help you attract more clients and feel confident in sharing your unique personality while doing it. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. How are you feeling? How are you doing? So today I actually want to do something a little bit different and I want to talk more about how I grew a business from nothing to selling out a restock overnight every single launch. Now I want to cover this because I know there are a lot of business owners who don't really understand brand strategy and they want to know how they can start making strategic decisions when it comes to building a brand and when this business was growing I had absolutely no idea what brand strategy was. If you listened to my season 2 trailer you would have heard that I used to run a jewellery business a couple years ago and I'm going to be covering the strategy in this podcast. So this was back in 2020 to 2021 I think and As I said, I didn't really know anything about brand strategy, but I also didn't know anything about design either. Like I wasn't a designer and I want other service-based business owners, especially designers, to know that it's okay if you don't know how to do the full brand strategy. So I'm a really big believer in knowledge. So when it comes to something that I could learn more about, I'm always happy to learn more. And I think having a good understanding of strategy is very important. But if you're a business that's getting yourself off the ground or if you're a designer and you're just starting to work with brands, maybe brand strategy isn't something that you're interested in offering. I hope that this episode helps you realize that you can make strategic decisions without knowing absolutely everything that there is to know about brand strategy. So I'm going to get into the foundations and the backgrounds of the business so that you can understand of where this came from and why this became what it did. And if you are a designer working with other brands or whether you're a service-based business working on your own brand, it's important that you know all of this information and you'll see why. So yes, this was a product-based business that I used to run, but the way that this strategy was done applies to service-based businesses as well. The entirety of this strategy was about the experience of buying my products, the experience of my content on social media, and my content strategy in general. This was a jewellery business and it sold alternative style accessories for alternative people and the business was called Creep Collective. Now I called it Creep Collective because of the word creep being an insult and I wanted it to be something that was cool. So I called it Creep Collective to show like, hey, here's a collection of accessories that's going to make you a creep and that's kind of cool. It was kind of turning a positive light on that negative insult. It was right in like the midst of COVID when I launched this business and I was very lucky to still have a job. I worked in a supermarket at the time, which was classed as essential work in the UK. So I was still working a full-time job with a full-time income and I also lived with someone at the time. So money was not the reason that I started this business at all. However, even though I wasn't looking to make it, I was always trying to save it. And I was really looking for an alternative style jewellery and accessories outlet or place that I could go to get these things that were affordable because I looked at the big brands and I think at the time the biggest brands circulating were like Killstar and it was kind of out of my budget at the time. I didn't have the funds at the time to be buying multiple pieces of jewellery to mix and match it the way that I wanted to and if there's anything about me that still reigns true to this day is that I love crafts, I love being creative so I bought the supplies and I made my own. And I made a few different types and I eventually landed on something that I really liked with materials that I also liked. I had sensitive skin so I wanted to make sure I was using like good quality materials, it wasn't too expensive. I did a lot of research, I fixated on it for like weeks and weeks and weeks, maybe months because I really wanted to get this right for myself. Necklaces were the first thing that I created because at the time, and still currently, I had stretched ears. 
um so there were no need to make earrings for myself however when i did turn this into a business i did make earrings a lot of this that has been said so far is something that if you are a designer creating a brand for a client this may be something that the client has told you if you're doing this for yourself this might be similar to your kind of story you know you you just created something to solve a problem that you had it may be similar to your story if you're an entrepreneur but it's really important to ask yourself why you started this business and in this situation this was my why so it seems kind of generic uh, maybe something that a lot of people would tell you about how their brand started but there's a couple of things that I actually pulled out from this story to turn it into brand messaging at the time, which I had no idea that I was doing, but like looking back on it now, I can see it. So first of all, this business was based off the fact that I couldn't find what I wanted, so I made it, which is ultimately me solving a pain point for people who were like me. This ultimately bases my entire business on this emotional understanding. Not only did it solve a problem that people just struggled with, but it also showed that because I struggled with it and I made time to make a solution, I had an understanding of this problem and it helps build that emotional connection. And that's really one of the most powerful things about this whole thing is that simple base foundation. It's worth noting that if I was to run this business again today, I would not position it as such an affordable brand because it makes the whole thing just seem really cheap. And even though this business saw growth and I had built this community, there is a way to conduct a lower pricing and being more affordable without making a brand look cheap. And I think that's where I went wrong. I had no idea what I was doing. And if I were to do this again, that would be something that I would change. And I will go over a couple of other things that I would change at the end of this episode. So I actually managed to find a document that kind of basically outlines the mission statement, the vision and the values, except it wasn't written as that because I had no idea what those things were at the time. Instead, it was labeled like what I do, why I do it, why I believe in, etc. Which is basically what those things are. Again, it's important for business owners not to be blinded by these um, so-called buzzwords words they're just the proper terms for things that you probably already know how to do now i knew that i wanted to be really open with people and i created this business because i wanted to share a solution that i'd created for myself and i wanted to be really transparent i didn't really have any other goal and ultimately this just became my brand values this is why now as a brand designer i advocate for people who want to be themselves through their brand which is a lot of what this podcast is aiming to do being your authentic self is so much easier because you don't have to keep up with like this fake image. And that's what this brand was based off of. This is what Creep Collective was. And it was so easy for me to be consistent with my content and my messaging because it was just coming from me as a person. Okay, so let's get into the brand values or it's labeled as what I believe in here. So the first one says, encouraging people to be themselves unapologetically in a space that is welcoming and celebrates individuality which is basically self-expression, something that I still really value and I state that I value in my current business on my website. Just kind of shows like how authentic this brand was to myself because it's still relatable now. The second one says providing high quality pieces that are accessible to lower budgets, which is, I guess, affordability, accessibility. And the third one says being open about the way products are made and packaged which I guess could be labeled as like integrity or transparency. And there were a lot of things that I did within the marketing for this business, which was primarily on TikTok. Okay, so there's also like what we do, what I do, whatever it is. It's basically the mission statement. It says, Creep Collective creates affordable and accessible jewelry that encourages the unconventional to express themselves without shame. And I wrote a little note underneath that said that I really like the word unconventional, which is really interesting because I still use that 
in my brand today, literally on the website for this podcast. I love the word unconventional and I love anybody who is unconventional. I just think it's so strange that these things are still present in my like current brand today. So that was basically like my mission statement, which is what the brand does and why it does it. And I also wrote like what the future is going to look like, which is basically the vision statement. And this says, I want to see alternative people unapologetically express themselves. I want people to do this by making jewellery that is affordable and high quality to make pieces accessible for everyone. I also want to support other businesses in doing the same to make even more affordable pieces accessible to all. So even though the like collaboration and stuff wasn't highlighted in the values, it's clear from this vision statement, which I didn't even realise was a vision statement, that collaboration and community was something that was really important to me and supporting other businesses that did the same thing that I did was also important. Much like today as a designer who collaborates and connects with other designers, I cared more about that than about the competition, which again everything's just so aligned it's so strange so even asking these basic questions of who the brand is what it does and why it does it and maybe what you're looking to do in the future we've answered all of those questions already which gives us a really clear direction of what we can do to market this business now again at the time I had no idea what I was doing and I was just making content that I liked and I thought would do well and it was definitely a lot of trial and error now I had both a TikTok account and an Instagram account for this business but the TikTok reached like 40,000 followers and the Instagram had like probably like less than 900 or something. I could not gain traction on Instagram and I'm going to tell you why. Like looking at this from a brand designer and brand builder perspective, I know why, but at the time I had no clue. So as I stated in like the uh, the mission statement and the vision statement, I guess we will call it, um, I really wanted to connect with other alternative people and other small businesses. So a lot of the content that I was making was just tailored towards people who I thought would be like me. I made jokes, I made content about things that people like me could relate to and in every video I wore a piece of my jewellery and I always had the link to my store in my bio. So I'd get a lot of comments asking where my jewellery is from and I'd always respond being like I made it, you can find it at the link in my bio if you want to buy it. And I was just creating content like this on the regular. I think I was posting every single day, mostly because I enjoyed it but it did start to pick up a little bit and I found a lot of people who were like me. With my first order that I ever got on my shop, I think I packed it in a video. So I put out a video saying that I got my first order from my jewellery business um, and I made a video showing me like packing it into a black envelope, like the envelope was cute and on theme. I had a business card, I added some free stickers and I posted it. And what this ended up doing was bringing in a lot of people who wanted to see their order being packed by me on TikTok. Like, I know this is a common thing now, but I don't know if it was as popular at the time. I'm not sure. It's just, it kind of fell into my lap, so I started doing it. And people were placing orders on the website and leaving notes on their order with their username saying, please pack this order on TikTok and tag me in it. So this ended up becoming like a series, like a couple of times a week, I would film a video dedicated to somebody who ordered and I would tag them in it and they would share this video and that would bring in more people to my brand, which was really powerful at the time. So I started calling my customers creeps. So instead of being a customer, they were a creep. And when they purchased something from Creep Collective, they became a creep. Ultimately, it kind of formed this sense of a community, it put a name on this community. Now, the thing about the community is that it's not just about followers. So the amount of followers that you have does not mean that you have a community. And the basis of having a community, I feel like that's such a buzzword. Everybody has one thing in common that they relate to. 
and they don't even have to know each other. So I read about this in the book Obsessed, Building a Brand That People Love by Emily Hayward. She gave a really good example, which was basically if you're walking down the street and you see a stranger across the street wearing a t-shirt with a band that you really like on it, you ultimately like feel connected to that person, even if they're a complete stranger. I remember she said in the book, like, you almost want to give them, like, a wave or a little nod, but that would be really weird because they're a stranger and you don't know them. But you know that you have this shared passion for something because of the t-shirt that they're wearing and ultimately, that's what you can do. It builds a connection between two people without you ever having to speak to each other. So I encourage people who were a little bit unconventional and a little bit alternative to be themselves and when they purchased an item of jewellery they became a creep they became a part of this group of people who were unapologetically being themselves and they didn't have to pay an arm and a leg to do it the thing that separated someone from being a viewer to being a creep was not a paywall i think i said this in my trailer like you didn't have to become a customer to become a creep It was clear what people were really connected and part of this community, even if they never purchased a product before, because of the connections that they were making in the comment section, because of the things that they were relating to each other on, because of the content that I was making. And my content was bringing these people together, whether they'd purchased something or not. And the growth just kept on coming. I got to the point where I was getting over 60 orders a day, which was insane. And I started doing live streams where I would pack orders live on TikTok because I thought that would be, I don't know, I thought that would be better and easier because at 60 orders a day, I couldn't film a video for every order that I packed. So I thought if I just hop in a live stream like a couple of times a week, I can pack all of them at once, get them all sent to the post office at once and that's going to make my work quicker as well, you know? And because it would take me hours to pack these orders by hand. So so I would sit on TikTok Live uh, with this community of people who like me and pack their order. And it got to the point where people were leaving the live stream and then coming back five minutes later and saying, hey, I just went to your website. I just placed an order. Did you get it? Can you pack it on this live stream? And as a brand designer now who helps other businesses grow their brand, yes, I'm not saying like go out there and post videos about jewelry if you're not a jewelry business. Like... But I am saying if you can make content that your ideal client can relate to, then this is where it's going to start building. It's important to know as well, though, that the product itself followed through. You remember I started the podcast talking about how I'd spent time figuring out what worked for me. This jewellery that I made was decent quality and it was actually affordable. Like I said, I spent a lot of time trying to balance between um, materials that weren't too expensive, but not so low priced that they were bad quality. Now, a lot of the creeps that I had who were customers shopping on my business were also repeat customers, people who were buying different styles of my jewellery because they liked the first one that they bought. It's so important that you practice what you preach because you cannot get on the internet and say, hey, I believe in this and hey, I do this. But then you give somebody a product or a service that does none of that. I said this in a post the other day, but as a service-based business, if you say that you value communication and you value collaboration, then when it comes to your client projects, you have to collaborate with your clients and you have to communicate with your clients. You have to follow through with the service or the product because that is what builds your brand loyalty and that's what's going to keep your business from sinking. You have to put just as much amount of time into working on your business as in your business. You need to spend an equal amount of time on marketing and making sure that your service is good. And if you can do something extra that kind of elevates it above everybody else, then great. So like at the time I was adding um, free stickers into every order, which wasn't necessary for the order. They didn't order it. Um, But 
it helped to have a nice little surprise in there. I had black bubble mailers as well, so everything was kind of like matching with the little crappy little branding that I did for it. Um, with my little logo on it, it was a little hand-drawn uh, moth. And now when I say hand-drawn, you're probably picturing like some pencil drawing or something that is just not scalable at all as a logo. And to be fair, it wasn't very scalable and it wasn't vector format because I didn't understand what that was at the time. It wasn't the worst logo in the world. I'm not gonna lie. It was pretty cute. <laughs> it was just those little things that made the experience more enjoyable. I chose a moth for the logo because it signifies like growth and new beginnings and kind of stepping into this new era of like letting go of what other people think and just being unapologetically yourself. That's that's how I wanted my brand to be perceived. And I knew that there was a moth that was kind of like within this aesthetic that I was going for, but also to signify something that I believed in. So it was really important for me to have that. And like that moth stayed the entire time for years. Like it was hand painted on the wall in my office. Like it was huge. And I did it just for fun because I wanted to make my office space kind of feel more comfortable and kind of more fun. But it ended up actually benefiting my business because it would be in the background of a lot of my videos and in the background of my live streams. And it helped me build this memorability and recognizability for my brand that people would go into a live stream and see this huge moth painted on the wall and order from this business. And then they would get a black bubble mailer in the post with that same moth on a sticker on the outside of the package. And this is also something that you can take away as a service-based business as well. I know sometimes it can be difficult when you don't have a product to show physical things in your video, but even if you're like showing your face, you could wear clothing that is in your brand colours, you could stand next to a wall that's in your brand colours. Colour is so powerful and if you don't have much imagery or icons, like for me for example, I have my brain icons, those are the most recognisable part of my brand. For people who don't prioritise like icons or illustrations in your brand, that's absolutely fine. You can easily do this through colour. So at this point, this business was already showing growth, but where it started to get the most interesting was when I was connecting with other business owners in the same space, which is so weird because it's like really similar to how this journey happened too. So I had like this, I was in this group chat with other small businesses and we would support each other technically. Um, now it was a mess. Like these people were very competitive, even though it seemed to be like a a collaboration thing like let's all support each other it wasn't it was like it was a lot um but two people that I particularly like really loved in this group chat were called Tate and Chloe now Tate and Chloe are partners they were partners at the time they're now engaged which is love that congratulations and both of them had a small business now Tate's business was called ZBP Apparel which stood for 0% beta apparel and he sold clothing that was a little bit weird and unconventional and alternative and a lot of his pieces also made political statements. Now Chloe at the time had an Etsy shop. She would make like prints and Starbucks cups and those kind of things and I loved her business as well. It was so cute and her branding was much better than mine was at the time even though it wasn't the same style. Like the importance of this story, we're going to talk about Tate's business just because we had the same target audience and we could have easily been competition and we chose not to be. I'm going to get Tate on this podcast as well to like talk about the group chat and that experience that we had and like how all of that impacted our lives now. And you know, I said like Tate was making political 
political statements through his clothing like he is always doing something when i say political statements as well i mean like he was supporting minority groups and right now he's actually running a campaign to stop to stop like the exploitation of minors and protect minors on social media particularly and educating parents on the way that they can protect their child's privacy online um i'm gonna put that link in the description so that you can check that out and support it he is always doing something that is good in my opinion and i still talk to chloe like all the time on snapchat tate was very unapologetic about his views and the way that he made his clothing and when he made content discussing the reasons why he made his products the way that he did he completely was speaking to the people who believed in the same things that he did and he did not care about anyone else and that was like the beauty of his niche he wasn't worried about tailoring to everyone he found his people and only spoke to them we also shared really similar values. We started connecting with each other and making content promoting each other's businesses. And the reason for this was because both of us cared more about collaborating with each other than we did about the competition. And again, looking at this now as a brand designer and a person who builds brands, I can tell you exactly why this worked, even if I didn't know this at the time. So me and Tate had different products to offer. He was selling clothing and apparel and I was selling jewelry and accessories. And we were selling these things to the same target audience. So ultimately, whoever was a customer or a creep of Creep Collective would also like Tate's business, Zero Percent Bayer, and vice versa. So we would do like joint live streams. Like we didn't live near each other. We lived like hours away. And ultimately we were posting so much content about our own businesses and each other's that people just started to like us as people and root for us meeting in person and being friends and myself and Tate and Chloe all meeting you know and eventually me and Tate decided we wanted to do a collaboration product together where we built this hype around his business and around my business as two friends rather than two businesses if that makes sense and it's like we became these like micro influencers for our own businesses like it was so strange it was like being in a different world at that time now that i think about it so myself and my partner at the time actually drove across the united kingdom to meet tate and chloe in person which was really weird but so fun and i'm so glad i got to meet them we're still friends and they also drove down here to where i live last year where my son was born to meet him now when we met in person we made a bunch of tiktok videos together we did a live stream together and the hype that that built on my page was insane we did end up creating a product together he was creating screen printed jeans which is kind of like in Tate's style. He would do a lot of screen printing and I made these like really cool barbed wire chains to go on like jeans chains and they were so cool. I still have them to this day. Like I still have my chains that go on my jeans. I still wear them all the time. So the reason that this worked so well was because my audience trusted me as a business owner and they cared about what I had to say because they had been following me, not for the product. They were following me because of the things that I said, the content that I created, my ability to follow through with their requests on making content, stuff that they could relate to, me being a little bit unconventional, a little bit weird, which was ultimately something that created an emotional connection, which is what built this community. It's worth noting as well, like a lot of this happened within like six months. I remember I posted a TikTok video as I normally would and then I did a live stream. And when I finished the live stream, my video had thousands and thousands and thousands of views and I gained thousands of followers. Like it was wild. The amount of people that would come after or during a live stream, the amount of people that would hit follow during that live stream. People were following me from the live stream, which was really important to me at the time because it meant that they liked me as a person. They liked what I had to say. They liked what I did. And they came onto my live stream and saw me as a person 
and was like, yeah, I'm going to follow this person. If you as a service-based business can also do something like this, where you can just be yourself and add your personality, people are going to come and they're going to decide whether they like you or not. And you don't have to try and be liked by the people who aren't going to like you, but you can instead just find the people who do like you for you. I think as well, this is why my business did so well on TikTok, but it didn't do well on Instagram because I wasn't able to connect with those people in the same way. So my Instagram was full of like my product images and customer reviews and it looked like a standard brand page but there was no me on there like I wasn't speaking I wasn't showing up I wasn't speaking about what I believed in I wasn't talking about my values I wasn't sharing my mission of my business which is ultimately in the scenario the foundation of what helps this business's success so without it it didn't attract those people who were like me which I think is why I didn't see any growth on Instagram Tay also ended up becoming a member of my team and I would send him new products prior to launches and he would promote it on TikTok. I had a couple of like PR people as well that I would also do. I think I had three or four. Um, and the thing is about this as well is I didn't choose huge influencers. Like I chose people who were like me, who were a little bit unconventional and shared the same values as me. Even I think maybe two of them had less than 5,000 followers. One of them was like a decent sized creator. They had like um, I think they had over like 20k, 30k followers or something like that. Um, and then someone had like less than 500, one of my PR people. Like I did not care about the following. The people who were following them cared about them and related to them. Instead of like trying to get a promoter for someone who's got all these thousands of followers with an account for they've had for God knows how long, they would be promoting a product to people who might not even be the right audience. So at the time, I already had this mindset of like, I need to find my niche and focus on the people who actually care about what I have to offer rather than just putting it out to everyone and hoping that someone likes it. I found my niche in my business and it worked out well. And this is something that I recommend to all of my clients and all of the people that I have one-to-one -one coaching with, all of the design clients that I have where we do brand strategy, find the thing that makes you weird, find the thing that makes you different be yourself, be open and just embrace that little weird part about you because people are going to like it. You've heard all the stories of all the weird things that people like on the internet, you know, there's, this, there's something for everybody so I can guarantee that your personality is for somebody. So ultimately I shut this business down because I fell pregnant with my son and I had quite a complicated pregnancy. It's a really long story and I knew that I did not have the time or the energy to run it at the capacity that it was at. Also, I was introducing a baby into my house, so I no longer had my office space to hold the stock anymore. So I did put a temporary close on this for a while uh, when my maternity leave started in the hopes that I could restart it. And I spent a really long time going back over the branding and learning more about brand strategy and design so I could build this business back up again. In the end, the newborn mum life kicked in and I settled in the realisation that the growth that Creep Collective had seen, along with the amount of stock that I would need to keep up with the launches, was really unrealistic for me. And I just was like, I'm going to shut this business down and I'm going to just chill on my maternity leave and go back to work when my maternity leave's over, you know? I mentioned this in the season two trailer, like this is where my design story starts. This is where I became a brand designer because I had this urge to keep working on the branding, to keep working on the strategy, to keep like making a plan as if this business was going to relaunch. But like I had settled on the idea that I wasn't going to launch it because I couldn't keep up with it. But I had all these ideas of how I could make it good. And I just thought like, 
I could come up with all these plans and if I could just give this to somebody else, then they could run it successfully. Like, how cool would that be? Turns out, that's a thing. And that's what I do now. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. I didn't, I knew what a logo designer was. I didn't really know what a brand designer was. I did not know what a brand strategist was. I just hadn't really thought about it. It's not like I was stupid. Like, I obviously knew that there were people working on, like, in advertisement and working on things, but I just never really thought about that this was a thing, let alone a thing that I could do, you know? My partner was like, why don't you, like, practice logo design? Because, again, both of us, like, our thing, we were only knew about logo design, didn't know about anything else. I was like, okay, I'll start designing logos and I didn't really have many ideas. I didn't know that ChatGPT was a thing then. I don't know if it still is. This was back in November last year. I don't think it was very popular then. I think it's really gained popularity over this last year. I say that because I use ChatGPT to get like passion project prompts now. I'm like, hey, I'm designing for a brand. Can you give me a brief? Like I always use ChatGPT because these brief accounts out here do not do service-based businesses at all. <laughs> I was on maternity leave, my partner was working all the time and, you know, when your kids are really, really young, like fresh born, <laughs> I don't know why I said fresh born, I meant like newborn, <laughs> uh, they sleep all the time like all the time, you know? Um, so I was like, I wanted something to do in my downtime. So I opened up an Instagram account and I started searching design and I found a couple of designers on there and saw that they were doing these amazing projects. And when I looked at the captions of these or like when they came up on my feed after I'd followed them, it said like, here's a design that I did from this brief and tagging the brief account that they used. And that's when I discovered brief accounts. And I was like, oh my God, these people are providing me with creative briefs, let's do it. I started designing logos and stuff for fake brands and I fell in love with the idea of building a business, even if I couldn't run that business on my own. Yeah, that's how that's how my business journey started. I ended up never going back to my job because I started picking up clients and making a consistent income, which was insane. Um, but yes, that's kind of like where my old business and my old life kind of overlaps with where I'm currently at now. Um, and still to this day, I hold the values of collaboration and wanting to connect with other people in the space because that's why I started my Instagram. I never intended for I never intended to be a brand designer. I never intended for this to be my job. But when I found out that like I could do something and I was like decently good at it, I just needed a lot more practice. Why don't I spend the time practicing it? And then I don't have to go back to work. I could do this as a job. Like that's insane. And I came to that realization like a week before I was meant to go back to work and I quit my job. <laughs> I just quit my job. I was like, you know what? I'm, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it because why not? I realized that I could help other business owners be themselves and be authentic within their brand and do it well and sell their product or sell their service through brand design and branding strategy without running the whole business myself because I didn't have the space for it. So I took Creep Collective off of, it was on a temporary close because I did have the idea that I wanted to build it back up. But when I ultimately decided that it wasn't for me, I permanently shut it down. And now as a brand designer, I feel like this is my true, my true calling, you know, but if I was to run this business today, I would do a couple of things differently. And I'm going to get into those things right now. Number one, I would start an email list. So I think I have a really brief memory of starting an email list, but I don't think I did anything with it. I had plans to create like a monthly newsletter where I talk about my favorite alternative small businesses in this space. Because again, I just really wanted to support like other people. This whole business was built off of the pain point that I had, which was I couldn't find affordable businesses to tailor to my stylistic needs. So by having this monthly newsletter where I spoke about other businesses, 
I was able to help that pain point that my audience also had by offering them more solutions that wasn't just my business, which is what I cared about the most rather than making sales. So that was my thinking for that. So by having this email list, I think that I could really help with the like community building aspect. If I had some form of like, I could call it like creep mail or something. So I think I did create it, but I don't think I did anything with it. Number two, I would expand to other social medias. Now, I stated that I never really saw much growth on Instagram because I couldn't attract the right people that I wanted to. And I think, as I said, the reason for this was because I was trying to apply the same marketing strategy to Instagram that I was using on TikTok. Even though I wasn't like thinking like it was a strategy like it wasn't like this plan that I had come up with and everything was planned out like it is now for my business because I think personally I think Instagram is harder than TikTok for some reason it didn't occur to me that I used TikTok but I didn't use Instagram so maybe the people who were like me also used TikTok and didn't use Instagram that if I was to do it again I would come up with like an actual marketing strategy for multiple different platforms. With my business today, I have managed to build a portfolio that showcases my design work, build a following of designers that trust me, in my opinion, and create resources to help these other designers all through Instagram. And the reason for this was because I approached it differently. The third one is that I would have not priced everything as low as I did. I did sales a lot. Like I would do giveaways every couple of months. I would do sales every couple of months. Accidentally, I kind of tapped into promoting overconsumption with those heavy discounts, which is not something that I really wanted. But I was in this mindset that if people want a true affordability, then it needs to be like dirt cheap. And I didn't understand that people associate cheap with poor quality. So I was selling these good quality products at like a stupidly low price without realizing that it was probably damaging to my brand. People might come across that and see, oh, that looks like it's good quality and then look at the price tag and think, oh, that's that's suspiciously low. Uh, maybe I should avoid that. And I, I wasn't in that mindset at the time. If I was running this today and I was going to have a successful business that made money and made profit, I would not make them so low. But I also would have done a lot of research and a lot of trial and error to keep that same quality without charging them too high because ultimately affordability was a part of my mission and I never wanted to overcharge somebody for something because that wasn't the reason for starting my business. It was literally the antithesis of the reason, like the actual opposite. I really do miss this business and I still wear the jewellery that I made to this day and I still hold a little bit of stock. Like I found some in a box when we moved and I, I do miss it, I really do, but I know it's just not for me right now and I love my life as it is, I really do. And my job as a brand designer and an educator really helps with a flexible lifestyle that I can be with my family, which is not something that I felt like I could have had with this creep collective business you know i'm sure if i had to put in like more tactics maybe outsourced a lot of the work that needed doing with creep collective maybe found an external working or shipping space then like i could have continued it but in the end it's behind me and i'm loving my life as a brand designer also back then i'm not even sure i knew what outsourced meant if i'm honest i think the experience of running creep collective has also helped me with my knowledge of brand design and building my own brand as well as building other people's brands which is why I primarily work with online based businesses because I like to tap into that authenticity and letting audiences see business owners as their true selves which is something that I do over on my Instagram and my social media pages and this podcast but also something that I look for in a client. I think that the world is so sick of the boring and the corporate and the over professional and people just want to feel a connection so when I do client projects I can deep dive with the business owner 
to find their true reason for why they started this business and if there's an underlying like emotional connection between the business owner and the target audience that hasn't been tapped into I really dive into that because that is so powerful and although a lot of the marketing strategies that we use for Creep Collective might be quite outdated now because it is a few years later the actual strategy and foundation of the business still holds true because all of this was true to me as a person like the values that I spoke about through Creep Collective still show through Brands by Robin because they are my personal values not the values of the business the goals that I had the vision that I had to connect with other people and help small businesses with that growth in order to provide more resources for other people that is still something that I do as a job now I turn from a brand designer to a brand designer and educator I work with the team at the brief collective who technically as you know somebody who provides coaching sessions with the brief collective to um you know, design coaches, you would think that we would be direct competition, but it's not like that at all. I'm always happy to give suggestions on how, like, you know, I think personally, as a person who was like a customer and a viewer and somebody who enjoyed the Brief Collective before I worked there, I can give my insight as to what I think is going to benefit the people who are following them. And they do the same for me. They coach me through things as well. And I think it's built this amazing connection and this just it's so many collaboration opportunities we've done mindset workshops together where instead of competing with each other we collaborated with each other and in the end that brought more resources to designers to service-based businesses who needed that mindset work and I think that that is the most powerful thing in business when you can just collaborate and just like each other you know just be nice so whether you're an entrepreneur who runs a business or if you're a designer which is also important because you have a business too I have just created a new resource for you to be able to dig into the basics of your brand strategy now this is going to help you uncover a lot of the things that we talked about in this podcast episode like I said I you don't have to be like a true master at brand strategy to start being strategic with your brand so this workbook is is designed for you to ask questions in a way that you can pull out answers that you already know but you can start looking at those answers and pulling out things that you might not have seen. It sounds complicated but it's going to help you uncover your superpower as a business owner and really hone in on that and that's listed in the description. I like to fill the description with links uh, so definitely check those out and I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will catch you on the next one. I would love to know if this was helpful. Have a fantastic day.